With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Well, welcome to the show today, um, Coffee, Tea, and V, um, featuring guest Deb Rainey, and I'm your host, Linda Kozar. I'm an author and podcaster, and I like to chat with guests who share the story of their life and how they got to the place they are now. Stories that are sad, touching, bittersweet, funny, and often miraculous. Everyone has a story to tell on this earth, and we should hear their unique story. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Deb Rainey first. She dreamed of writing a book since the summer she read Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House books. Me too. I love those. (laughs) And discovered that (laughs) Kansas Farm Girl could indeed grow up to be a writer. Her almost 40 books have garnered multiple industry awards, including the Rita Award, the Holt Medallion, National Reader's Choice Award, Carol Award, and uh, three times she's been a Christie Award finalist, and her first novel, A Vow to Cherish, shed light on the ravages of Alzheimer's disease and inspired the highly acclaimed Worldwide Pictures film of the same title. She's on the faculty for several National Writers Conferences and served on the executive board of the 2,500-member American Christian Fiction Writers Organization for 18 years. She's a transplant to Southeast Missouri, with her husband, Ken Rainey, having moved from their native Kansas to be closer to kids and grandkids. They love road trips, Friday garage sales, and breakfast on the screen porch overlooking their wooded backyard. And you can visit Deb uh, at debrainey.com. Her last name is R-A-N-E-Y. So welcome to the show, Deb. Thank you so much, Linda. It's great to be with you. Well, I hope you've had all your coffee and you're ready to go. <laughs> I have two cups, so we are yes, good. Yes, we do. That's my standard, just to get just to launch, launch the day. <laughs> you bet, you bet. And I might have a cup of decaf tonight. Yeah, hey, I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, um, this show is a bit different from my other shows in that I like to hear people's stories, you know, uh, the story of their life, because uh, there's so many fascinating stories and. I never really get into it the way I want to. And we're going to talk about your latest book uh, around the end of the show. But um, I wanted to introduce people to who Deb Rainey is, where Deb Rainey came from. You know, um, you were, were you born in Kansas? I was not. I was actually born in San Antonio, Texas, um, oh. because my dad was in the Air Force stationed at Lackland Air Force Base. And oh. I, I wish I could say I really was a Texan, but when I was five months old, we moved away and moved back to Kansas, which was the hometown of both of my parents. And 
so that's where I grew up and spent have spent most of my life, um, except for one year that my well actually almost two years that my husband and I lived in New York shortly after we were married. And then um, when when our first son came along, we decided we wanted to live in Kansas, close to our parents. And then, like you said, recently we moved to Missouri because our two daughters happened to settle here. So that's nice. And I saw a picture on Instagram of you with four of your grands. Um, yes. <laughs> and I just thought that yes. was so sweet. I just- Oh, it is so special. It's so good. And we do have two sons in um, that are in the Dallas, Texas area. And so we're still far away from kids, but it's really nice to be near seven of our 13 grandkids. So oh, we, my we do God. our best to, to see them all. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I just have one so far, but um, hey, I can, I'm hopeful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> so, um so you grew up, um, and did you always know you were a writer, or did you have um, other aspirations to begin with? Well, my from the as long as I can remember, from the time I was a little girl, I wanted to be a mommy. I wanted to have twelve kids, and um, I I just I couldn't think of any job I would rather do. And I think that's because my mom made it look like such a wonderful job. And um, it wasn't until I was about 12 years old that I, I, I was an avid reader. And one of the reasons that I was an avid reader is because um, as a six-year-old, I got very serious bronchial pneumonia. And when I recovered from that, I ended up with asthma. And so until I actually outgrew it when I hit puberty, but for most of my childhood, I struggled with asthma. And that meant that while my brother and my three sisters were out playing on the farm and in the hayloft and all the fun places, I was in the house trying to breathe because hay and wheat are the things that triggered my asthma attacks. And, you know, it it seemed like a very hard and cruel and horrible thing when I was a little girl. But I look back and I realize that God used that time to develop in me an absolute love for books. And, um, you know, while I was in the house, my mom made that a wonderful, fun time and made me feel like I was having every bit as much of an adventure as my siblings were because I was reading books. And and so at some point during, uh, I was probably 11 or 12, I just remember the first time making that connection that books had writers. And that meant that someday I could grow up and write a book myself. And so I tucked that dream away. I figured I would be an old grandma by the time I finally started writing a book. (laughs) Um, But as it turns out, um, we, well, I said I wanted 12 children, but when I was a teenager started telling me that I probably would not be able to conceive a baby um, because I had some some issues. And so, Mm -hmm. well, well, you know, I, that could have crushed me. I had always thought I would adopt six of my 12 children anyway. And so I just readjusted my plan, you know, as a, as a 13, 14, 15-year-old and said, oh, I'll just adopt all 12 of my kids. 
Um, but the Lord had other ideas. And after Ken and I had been married for two and a half years, he sent us a little boy. And doctors wow. continued to tell me that I had, you know, issues that I should not have conceived. They called him a miracle. Um, and yet, three and a half years later, the Lord blessed us with a little girl. And then exactly <laughs> two years later, the Lord blessed us with another little boy. And uh, at that point, three kids seemed like 12. And I was, you know, I was perfectly happy to keep it at three. And I was very blessed to be able to stay home with my kids. That had been a dream of mine as well. And I know it's something that not every mom can do and not every mom wants to do. But for me, it was, you know, like I said, that was my goal. And I was very thrilled that my husband was willing to make that happen for me, you know. And Isn't um, it interesting, though, how God, we, someone says something's impossible and, and God yes. just sort of laughs. <laughs> yes, he does. That is so true. He does. And he, I, I, so many times I am learning, learning to pray, not my will, but thine, because so many times my will would have messed up the great plan that God had for my life. And so I'm learning, you know, in my old age, I am learning to trust that he knows best and that even when I'm going through really hard times, Often it is because he has a plan and that hard time is preparing me for that plan. Mm, that is a mature thing to say, a mature Christian thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, that's something you find on the other end of um, of a journey <laughs> that you've been on. Yes. I mean, it's something you yes. learn. Yeah, that's right, yeah. for sure. And and it, I'm a slow learner, too, because it took me, you know, it took me many years to finally figure that out and to, instead of um, whining and complaining and crying when, when something happens that doesn't seem like a good thing, to realize that if I belong to God, then he has, he will turn that into something good. And it, he has never failed to do that. So well, I'm I'm with you there. You know, I've made the same mistakes over and over until, yeah. you know, duh, the duh moment. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We are so well, stubborn and yet he puts up with us. So now did you, uh, were you a believer for most of your life or did you come to the Lord later in life? Well, I, it's hard to answer that question because I grew up in a wonderful Christian home and I, we attended a little country church where I had absolutely wonderful Sunday school teachers who taught me God's word. I memorized scripture. I knew, I knew all the Bible study, Bible story songs and Bible stories and so, and I had a relationship with God. I, I prayed to God. And yet, when I was 17, I made a very conscious decision. In fact, I told the Lord all about my decision to start living in a way that was completely opposite of what I had been, you know, taught in my home. And I always told the Lord, I, I, I want to be popular and I want to fit in. And so I'm going to live this way for a while, but I promise I'll come back, God. And um, what a talk about childish prayers and well, immaturity. Yeah. <laughs> so for a year, um, I, I partied and I lied to my parents and I smoked and I drank and 
basically I did everything that my parents had said was you should not do. And I, I always say that I'm very grateful that we didn't talk about sex in our family because that wasn't one of my rebellions. Um, but for a year, I, I lived that way. And the whole time, I knew it was wrong. I knew that I needed to come back to the Lord. And yet, you know, the, the deeper you get into that kind of a lifestyle and the more friends you make who fit in that lifestyle, the harder it is to come back. Um, and, and I got in the habit of, of coming home and um, I would lay in my be- bed with the, you know, the ceiling still circling around my head because I was, you know, had been drinking. And I would pray, please forgive me, God, please forgive me. I know I shouldn't be living that way. And I, that kind of would take my guilt away, you know, long enough. But then I started praying, and Lord, there's a party next Friday night, so can you forgive me in advance for that one? And there finally came a night. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Very manipulative, and he wasn't having it. (laughs) And so there was one night that I came home, and I I started praying that what was now just a little rote prayer to get my guilt off of my head, you know. And I felt very strongly that he was saying, no, you either love me or you don't. You either obey me or you continue to walk like this, but you have mm-hmm. to make a choice. And oh, yeah. I made that choice that night, lying in my bed, still under the influence of alcohol. But I woke up the next morning and I knew that I was different and that, that Jesus had truly become my Lord and Savior. And um, I began, I, I you know, uh, left that lifestyle and found new friends, and God very graciously put wonderful new friends in my life and took me back to some of my old friends that I had ditched when I decided to go this route, you know. Oh, and I never looked back, and I have never regretted it. <laughs> and uh, oh, been walking with him ever since. Wonderful. Well, it's it's all him. I certainly can't take any credit for it. So I'm very (laughs) grateful for how patient he was with me, and um, and I'm but I'm also very grateful that uh, when it was time to fish or cut bait, I I chose (laughs) I chose him. Made the right Uh, choice. (laughs) Yes, yes, I've um, never doubted. And and uh, for for the writing part, like I know I was kind of a frustrated writer for a long time. I mean, I, I wrote, but I would, you know, in the car line waiting to pick the kids up. I wrote yes. so many things on wrappers. <laughs> yes. And just, you know, I was always writing that. How did that start for you? Because there's not a lot of time no, when you're kind of, Very much, though. The, the, well, I started my first novel, actually, this, when I was 11 years old. And it was a blatant ripoff of Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House Books. <laughs> and um, I remember... That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, and I, I um, didn't know anything about research and yet I I wrote a whole bunch of pages under the covers with a flashlight one night and I, I fell asleep just feeling like I had just begun the great American novel and I woke up the next morning and I realized that I had um, one of my characters a little boy pointing up to the sky and saying he saw some bumblebees flying and he said look airplanes airplanes 
Uh, the only problem was my novel was set in the 1700s before <laughs> Orville and Wilbur Wright had even been born. And was I was so disgusted with my horrible, um, you know, historical mistake that I ripped up that manuscript, did not write again. Seriously, I mean, I, I always, you know, love to write in journals and and I wrote a few magazine articles and things like that, but I didn't write seriously as a novelist until I was almost 40 years old. <laughs> so well, um, We can be so, our own worst critics, can't we? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's for sure. Yes, absolutely. And yet I, I know that um, the timing was just right. And what propelled me to write, you know, before I was an old grandma, because our life was very busy with three kids. Um, but like I said, I had been at home with the kids, but I all, because of that, we were on a very, very tight budget, and we did not have any money saved for our kids' college. And they, uh, our daughter wanted to be a teacher, and our son wanted, wanted to go into computer graphics, and you know, they, they all wanted to do things that would require a college degree. So I'd always known that when they were older, I would go back to work to help you know, put them through college. And just to support, you know, help support the family because it's expensive to have three teenagers in the house. Well, (laughs) when when those kids were 14 and 10 and 8, the Lord blessed us with another little baby. We called her our oops baby. (laughs) Um, But she has turned out to be the absolute, what a blessing she was and still is to our family. Um, and she is really the, the the thing that propelled me to start writing because I knew that I so desperately wanted to stay home with her like I had the others, and yet we needed money if our kids were going to go to college. And I I prayed so hard, Lord, there has to be something I can do at home and be able to still be with her and yet make some money too. And I just felt like he tapped me on the shoulder and said, remember that book you've always wanted to write? Start writing. (laughs) And so I did. And, you know, you would think that I would have had, you know, 20 ideas since I'm now almost 40 years old, (laughs) that I would have had ideas for this book that I wanted to someday write. But I truly didn't. And then one night we were sitting, the baby was in bed, and we were sitting around the table with our our older kids, and we had a conversation about a family that we knew where the wife had been diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease. And this um, happened to be about the same time that President Reagan had uh, had announced that he had Alzheimer's. And so it was kind that was kind of in the news, and um, they were finding a lot of, you know, medical research was happening surrounding Alzheimer's. And um, I, I lay in bed that night after that conversation, and I just knew I had my idea. And I would write about a family dealing with the wife's diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And I guess the rest is history. <laughs> so. Well, that resonated with a lot of people. Well, including me, because we've, my mom has dementia and we've taken care of her. My sister and my brother and I, um, we take turns. You know, it's been 12 years mm-hmm. now. So, wow. yeah, it resonated with a lot of people. So, uh, but, mm-hmm. but you've, you've kept on writing. 
And I'll tell you a kind of a punchline of that story is that I I actually ended up with three contract offers. Um, two of them would were not even going to begin to um, help me stay home, you know, with our daughter and pay for college or anything like that. They were kind of piddly offers. But the third offer was from Bethany House Publishers, and mm-hmm. not only did they want to buy my novel, but they wanted to, to give me a contract for two novels. And I said, but I haven't written two novels. And they said, oh, you will, you will. We can tell you're a writer, you know. And uh-huh. um, when I got the contract for that, um, for that two-book series, the amount of advance on royalties that they were going to pay me was to the penny what we had just been told our oldest son's uh, four years of college at the college of his choice, which was a small state school, one of the cheaper places that you could go, um, but it would pay all of his college expenses, room, board, tuition for four years. And that, oh my goodness, it it is just truly one of the most um, stunning answers to prayer that I have ever had. God has answered a lot of my prayers, but that one is uh, at the top of the list for sure. Oh, definitely. Well, okay, we're coming, we're down to like uh, the end of the show almost. (laughs) But I I want to talk about your book that has just come out, um, A Little Town. And uh, you have a story in that, uh, uh, along with um, two other people, but yours is called The Wondrous Gift. Yes. I'm just going to read a little uh, tag on it. High school football coach Caleb Jansen and music teacher Rachel Hamblin um, bond when they both lose their jobs at a Christian school. But when they discover their plans for the future are mutually exclusive, the fallout threatens to tear them apart. And I, I mean, I'm, can you tell us a little bit about um, about this collection, you know, and about yes. your Yes, it was so much fun to write. Um, the, the other authors are Amanda Wynn, who happens to be a, a fellow Kansas author, and she and I met before we moved here to Missouri. And then Janair Trump, who happened to be my editor for the Chandler Sisters series that I did for Kriegel Books. And so it was just a really fun combination. And we each, um, we, the thing that kind of ties our stories together, it, each one of our titles comes from a verse in the Christmas carol, Oh Little Town. And so that's where the wondrous gift came from. Oh, now I see it. Yeah. I yeah. see it now. <laughs> yes. But we, we wrote from three different eras. And we, the thing that um, tied our stories together was a little schoolhouse in Michigan. And um, in, in each of our stories, we chose to kind of make that schoolhouse a central character. And then the reader gets to see what happened to the schoolhouse as, as we go through, through the eras. And um, Amanda and Janier's stories are historical, and mine is contemporary of what, what happened to the little schoolhouse today. So it was just a, a, so much fun to write, and I think readers will really enjoy it. It's a, it's a cozy, feel-good kind of story. Janair's story has a, a, a bit of mystery and some true history to it. Um, it, it it's fictional, but um, definitely ties in with some real historical events that happened. And so well, I think it's, just, it's the kind of book. 
oh, we were so thrilled with that cover. We just think it's beautiful. Uh, very, oh, yeah. A nighttime scene with the uh, street lamps glistening and, yeah, really, really a cozy Christmas. And even even uh, the cover even has kind of a just a holiday feel. It would be great to read over Thanksgiving, too, when everybody is is uh, has a little bit more time on their hands. So. Well, everybody loves, you know, during the Christmas season, just cozying up with a cozy book. <laughs> a book yes. that just warms your heart and, you know, yes. while you're drinking. Well, and I, I truly think, having read the other girls' stories, I really think this fits the bill. It's the kind of story that you close the cover and just sigh with, you know, uh, with hope and joy and um just it's very charming i think so we're excited (laughs) well you know you are a woman of many talents and i wanted to talk about this i know i've told you this before i'm in awe of your decorating because i'm i i decorate in kind of quirky style too uh but but you really have a beautiful gift for uh going to garage sales and resales and just finding these wonderful things and and putting them together in such um, an amazing way. Um, well, thank I keep you. Telling you to do a book, a home decor book. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, um, thank you. Well, I, having been in your house, Linda, and it's been many years ago, but I stayed in your house when I spoke at an event in Houston years ago. And uh, I love your decorating style, too. So I, I'm not so sure that I didn't take away some ideas from your house. Oh, no. I, I think, you know, back, no, I well, back then I was probably. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I, I get a lot. My daughters are really great decorators, too, and I get a lot of my inspiration from them and my sisters and um, it's something I just really enjoy Um, I people are always saying oh you could have a a second career as a decorator and I don't know that I could because I like you said my my style is very quirky and very personal to me and so but there are a lot of people who would like to be quirky they just they don't know what to look for or how to go about it and I yes. just, I really would love if you would write a book. That's my request. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, maybe one of these days, I, when I run out of no, no ideas for novels, maybe I will just do that. So it would be yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, what what is next on your to do list as a as an author? Yeah. Well, I I have been doing some freelance editing, and so I have two books on my desk waiting to be edited. I'm I'm kind of in the midst of one of them, and um, then I have almost finished. I have just some finishing touches to put on a nonfiction book on the craft of writing, and it it'll be just as short. It'll only be an ebook format, but it's based on. Um, a workshop that I have presented many times at conferences called Writing Cinematically, and just how to um, how to write so that readers see your book as a movie, um, because uh, that's one thing when I'm editing and when I'm critiquing other writers that I notice is um, they tend to just tell us the story and not show us what we should picture, you know, and. So there's a fine That's line between. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. It, mine it too. is because and, if it's all conversation, 
you don't get the picture of how that room looks or, you know, or, you know, you're not there in the setting with them. Yes, exactly. And there is a fine line between um, describing too much and not letting the reader use their own imagination. But um, anyway, I, I, I think the class, it's been very well received and I thought, well, I might as well uh, turn that into a book. And then when I'm finished with that and and I've already uh, been doing the research in a fun way, um, the next thing that I'm going to do is write a, se- a new series um, about Airbnb um, proprietors. And oh, uh, each um, book will stand alone, but the thing that will tie them together is the Airbnb aspect. And my husband and I have stayed in many, many Airbnbs as research. <laughs> and I, I think I'm a frustrated Airbnb uh, owner. <laughs> um, that's, that's something that if I were 40 again, I might, uh, t- you know, try my hand at that because I do. I love to entertain. I love to have guests in our home and um, I'm, I, I enjoy visiting with strangers and that kind of thing, but I, I think I have my plate full, so that probably isn't going to happen in this lifetime. Well, it's so, a great part of being you a writer. Think. You can live it vicariously. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. And, and I actually have uh, written another uh, series that takes place in a, a, a true bed and breakfast, and in just in researching that, I found some things that, you know, make me think, eh, maybe it's not all as rosy as it looks in the movies. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll well, probably you know, stick to just writing. I wanted to end. We're coming. We have 90 seconds. And I wondered if you would um, share one of your Christmas traditions or things you like to do with your family every oh, year. Okay. Okay. Well, this is something that uh, now that the kids are older, we haven't done as much, and we will probably do it when our grandkids are a little older. But we used to, when the kids were small, some night, and, and it usually just was a random night when we happened to be home and we had time, we would get all the, we would have a snowflake party. We would make hot chocolate and put marshmallows in it, of course, and then Aww. we would cut paper snowflakes. And in the house that we lived in at that time, we had a big front picture window. And so that we were, we were filling the front window with our snowflake creations. But it was also a contest. And we all, we laugh now because my husband is an artist and he's very, very talented and very creative. And so we would unfold our snowflakes and it would just be, you know, the usual snowflake pattern. He would unfold his and it would be an, a complete nativity scene or, you know, some, a snowman or oh you know, my something goodness. just incredibly creative that we didn't even, oh. we don't even know how he did well, it. But. Well, thank you for sharing that, Deb. We're, we're down to nine seconds. So okay. <laughs> thank you for well, being on the wonderful. show. Yes. Go out and buy this book, everyone. Um, oh, Little Town. With my guest, Thank Deb Randall. Thank you Thanks so much. So much. Mm-hmm. God bless. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.